Good morning. It is great to be here this morning. I guess just for the uh, the recording, I'm going to say it is uh, March 15th, the year 2020, and the world is in the midst of utter hysteria. And uh, I, I was just I was thinking yesterday uh, about it, and we. In the last couple of days, we have read more articles about coronavirus than we have read chapters in our Bible. We have prepared more for the coming of coronavirus than we have for the coming of Jesus Christ. We've talked to our friends more about coronavirus than we have talked to them about Jesus. It's absolutely amazing. We're more concerned about this uh, pandemic of coronavirus than we are about the pandemic of sin in the world. And uh, it's really, it's, um, it's, I guess it's shaking our world. It's, I kind of uh, felt like it was a big joke in the beginning. Now all of a sudden I'm realizing this is, this is huge. And maybe this is exactly, I've been praying for revival. And I know that there are brothers and sisters across the country that are really fervently praying for revival. And you know what? This might be the answer to our prayers. God sends something like this, Mike was mentioning. I mean, revivals in the past have been sparked by things like this that really make us wake up and, whoa, life is short. And I'm not in control of everything. And uh, really, this world is broken and, and we need a savior. Things like this push us, shove us toward the Lord Jesus Christ. And and maybe it's, it's just what we need. So um, I would like to share this morning from Exodus chapter 14 and uh, the story of the crossing of the Red Sea. And in... In some way, uh, in a certain way, we're facing this Red Sea, a, a moment of crisis. This was a moment of crisis for the nation of Israel. And they're facing the Red Sea, and this thing is impossible to cross. And we could apply this to the crisis that we're facing today. We're facing this this pandemic, and who knows how bad it's going to get. And I guess I shouldn't even make suggestions of how bad it how not bad it will get. But uh, who, who knows where this is going? And we're kind of facing this crisis moment, a Red Sea moment. And even if this uh, pandemic that we're facing right now ends up to just fizzle out and it's no big deal, but uh, I know that many of you are facing difficult times in your lives. Some are facing uh, health crisis. Uh, others are facing economic crisis. Uh, others are facing really difficult family situations, even maybe going through a divorce or have been through a divorce and difficult the relationships. And um, in some ways, you're facing the Red Sea. And I'd like to point out several things in this in this story right here. But uh, I'll begin by maybe reading the, the central verses, verses 21 and 22. Exodus 14, verses 21 and 22 says this, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on the right and on their left. 
And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen. And in the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into panic. Coronavirus panic. No, no. Clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from before Israel for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the tremendous opportunity that you have given to us to live in this day and age. The end of the ages has come upon us. We may be living in the generation that sees the return of Christ. Lord, we pray that uh, you would put into our hearts a burning passion to make Christ's name great in in the midst of of utter panic, in the midst of uh, turmoil, um, in these days when uh, really people are are more sensitive to, um, to you, Lord and to spiritual spiritual subject uh, lord we just pray that uh that if it be your will we would just love to see revival revival and it really it starts with me it starts with each individual lord we pray for personal revival that would go into our families that would spread into our churches that would that would impact the society around us our states and in our country our world lord we desperately need revival and so i thank you i thank you for uh, coronavirus i thank you for this opportunity lord that uh, you have given uh, to the world a warning cry um, the warning trumpet has sounded, and Lord, we pray that uh, that you would cause us to to turn to you in times like this when we realize we have no answers. Uh, Christ alone is our only hope, and so Lord, we run to you. We run to your word. I pray that you would help me to say the words that you want me to say this morning as we as we look at this story of, of facing the crisis of, of a Red Sea in front of us, Lord. We put this time into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. So backing up at the beginning of this chapter, uh, beginning in verses 1 and 2, and just pointing out uh, here, what I want to do is try to show you some steps of how to cross the Red Sea. So whatever that Red Sea is for you, some are facing, like I said in the beginning, maybe an economic crisis, maybe a health crisis, maybe relationship crisis. Uh, maybe in the next couple of weeks, some of you will come down with coronavirus and you'll be facing that Red Sea. I mean, there's a reason they took that panoramic picture. It was to see who all was here. So if somebody comes down with coronavirus, we know who to put into quarantine. All of you were there. But uh, so maybe some of us, maybe all get coronavirus. And man, to face that Red Sea, how am I going to cross it? How am I going to cross that, that crisis moment of how to, it seems impossible. And I think we see some steps right here. So the first one here in verses one through three, backing up Exodus 14 verses one to three. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to turn back 
and encamp in front of Pi Chahirot, between Migdol and the sea, in front of Baal Sephon, and you shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say to the people of Israel, they are wandering in the land, the, wa- the wilderness has shut them in. Let me point something out here. This, this is, this is just, to me, mind blowing. God sent them to this place. He put them in this situation. It says right there, the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel, turn back. Remember, they've just come out of Egypt and all the plagues on the land and just, I mean, Pharaoh didn't want to let him go, but finally he just, he can't, I mean, all the plagues, I mean, he's just, the Lord has decimated Egypt and Israel walks out of there. A couple of million people probably, they, they walk out of there as if like a triumphant army. And now the, the pillar of fire is leading them by night, pillar of cloud during the day. This is God himself. He's leading them. And, and he takes them right to this spot and he even tells Moses to tell the people where to go. And he takes them to this spot where they come, they're in front of Pi Chahirot. Which, by the way, in Hebrew, that's how you pronounce it. No, I'm joking. I have no idea. But I, I like the way that I pronounce it. And, and between Migdol and the sea and in front of Baal Sephon. What he's referring to, this, this, these mountains on your left, Pihahirot, and these other mountains on the right, Baal Sephon, the sea's in the front, and then they're going to get the Egyptians, Pharaoh and all their army coming from behind. So get this, they're trapped and God put them there. I think this is, this is a major truth to get a hold of. When you're facing the Red Sea, you're facing this crisis moment and it's like, there's no way out. You need to recognize this first of all. God put you there. He's sovereign. He knows what he's doing. It's not by mistake that you're finding yourself in this situation. Okay, maybe you made some bad decisions and and yeah, you're suffering the consequences of sin, but it's amazing how God uses our bad decisions and he even uses, this is dangerous, God's not the author of evil, but he sure knows how to use it for his glory. And you're in a tough situation He's going to use that in Romans 8, 28. For those that love the Lord, he's going to use that situation for their good. And then verse 29, that good is to mold you into the image of his son. He wants to make you into the image of his son. He's going to use everything in your life, whether it's it's a difficult situation or a blessed situation. But God put the Israelites in this situation. So faithful believer. Whatever you're facing, something difficult in life, know that God has put you there. Struggling church, not this one, those that are listening on the video. I don't know where the camera's at. I think, is that the camera? Struggling church out there. God has put you in that situation. He knows what He's doing. Unbeliever, friend, that is listening to this or, or 
you're visiting this morning, maybe you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going through something really difficult, grab a hold of this. God is sovereign. He's in control. He puts you right where you are for a reason. Next thing that I want to point out here, you see it in verse 4. You see it again in in verse 18. But uh, in verse 4 it says, And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. And then if if you skip over and you see it again in verse 18. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen. I love this. Listen, the glory of God is more important than your personal safety. The glory of God's more important than your personal safety. So as we're trying, we're facing this, this Red Sea of, of crisis. How to cross that thing. Number one, you've got to get this. God put you there. He puts you right where you are. Number two, you've got to realize the glory of God is more important than your personal safety. Super important. The glory of God's more important than your personal safety. If God can be more glorified, Making me healthy and wealthy? Praise the Lord. But if God can be more glorified, giving me coronavirus? Glory to God. If God can be more glorified, smashing me into a million pieces? So be it. The health and wealth preachers won't say that side of it. I mean, yeah, if he he can be more glorified making me healthy and wealthy, praise the Lord. But if he can be more glorified, Nate Bramson, he was here just a few weeks ago, I think. I love that guy. He came to Peru to to visit me, and we we went on this epic river trip together. And uh, it was right when he was in the midst of cancer. And I called him up before the, the trip. And I was like, when I found out about his cancer, I was like, brother, let, we need to cancel the trip. I mean, you're, you're right. In, you're, you're just going to have your thyroid taken out. You're going to be in the midst of radiation and everything. And, and let's, we, we need to cancel this because we're going deep. It is going to be difficult. And, and uh, we're wading across rivers and hiking miles in there, slogging through the mud. And I don't want to be responsible for having killed Nate Bramson. <laughs> And, but he looked at me and he goes, I'm not letting a little cancer hold me back. Let's go for it. I was just like, oh man, like if I could have that attitude at all times, whatever the crisis is, I'm not letting that little crisis hold me back. It's for the glory of God. The glory of God is more important than your personal safety. Third thing here. Look at verses five to nine. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And they said, what is this that we've done that we've let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and he took his army with him and he took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them and the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh king of Egypt and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly and the Egyptians pursued them all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and all his horsemen and army and they overtook them and 
them encamped at the sea by Pihahirot in front of Baal Sephon. What I want to point out right here, your third step to crossing the Red Sea. The, the, the first one was knowing God put you there. Second one, the glory of God is more important than my personal safety. And the third one is, if you're going to cross that, that Red Sea successfully, you've got to realize this. The devil is after you. Not, not to panic and go stockpile all the toilet paper and hand sanitizer. But you need to know the devil is after you. The Lord has just delivered you with a mighty and outstretched arm. He's taken you out of the land of slavery to sin. He's delivered you. You're marching out triumphant in the Lord Jesus Christ. But you need to know, believer, the devil wants to put the chains back on. The devil wants to enslave you once once again. He wants to grab you and take you back to Egypt. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness. It's against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. We are in a spiritual battle, and it is important to know that. Oftentimes, I mean, we just go through our Christian life and we forget. Man, that battle rages on all around us. Every single temptation, it's like, I'll just, it's a shove from the devil. Hey, I'm going to shove you. <laughs> the devil comes and he shoves you every single temptation he, he shoves you and I'll just stop shoving people because I see I guess I'm getting too close to people if I end up with coronavirus and those are the two guys that afterwards I'm sorry um, but every temptation it's like this shove look at porn shoves you Alcoholism, it's a shove from the devil. Or just covet this. Or, or disrespect your parents. Or cheat on your taxes a little. Every, every one of those temptations, it's a shove from the devil. He's after you. He wants to put the chains back on. He does not like it that you've been set free. So as soon as the Israelites, have, they've marched out of this land of slavery, immediately Pharaoh, he's like, what have we done? We, we got to get these guys back. He's going after them. Uh, I'll just take the steps here. I took steps out the door last, last or Wednesday or whenever that was. I'm going to take steps now to kind of burn this into our minds. Um, you're facing the Red Sea. I'm facing the Red Sea in front of me. The first step to, to crossing this, this crisis Red Sea moment. I've got the, there's cliffs on the right, there's cliffs on the left, the devil is behind me, I'm between the devil and the deep Red Sea. First step, what was it? Recognize God, God, He put me there. He knows what He's doing. Second step? What? The glory of God is more important than my personal safety. It, it really is. If He can be glorified in your death, praise the Lord. You might die of coronavirus. But glorify the Lord in the process. Third step? The, the devil, he wants to take you back to Egypt. 
recognizing that I'm in this spiritual battle. And so I'm taking these steps across the Red Sea, how to cross this crisis, Red Sea. Next point here. Verses 11 to 14. No, I'm sorry. Verse 10. I almost skipped a point there. Verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly, and the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. Those last words right there, you can understand fearing greatly. Here's this huge army coming out behind them. They're they're, they're trapped. There's no way out. And they cry out to the Lord. Obviously, four step. Cry out to the Lord. Pray. We need to pray. Thinking about this, I mean, the Red Sea is in front of me. I can't swim that thing. I can't cross. I don't know how I'm going to cross that. You can't swim, but you can pray. I can't scale that mountain on the left, but I can pray. You can't scale that mountain on the right, but you can pray. I can't turn around and and fight the devil, but you can pray. And you're facing this Red Sea moment and cry out to the Lord. God puts us in situations sometimes where where we're pushed to cry out to Him. Crisis moments that drive us to our knees. You know, once again, it's, it's, it's good to have these crisis moments. We need these. These things, sometimes it's just the only thing that will push us to our knees. And we thank Him for it. Now, verses 11 to 14. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in this wilderness? Why have you done this to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord which he will work for you today for the Egyptians whom you see today shall never you shall never again see to see the Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent in those first couple of verses this is just mind-boggling to me that they're like let's go back listen fear does strange things to the human mind and we have seen this on the news. I, I didn't see the video. Just this morning, someone was talking about the, a video. I think here in, in South Florida area in a Walmart, it, somebody busted a, a wine bottle and stabbed someone else with it because they were fighting over toilet paper in the Walmart. Maybe I didn't get the story completely. Is that, is that, who, who told me that? I don't know. Look it up. But absolutely amazing. Fear does weird things to people. All of a sudden, this hysteria. And you see it in this story right here. Look at this. You actually want to go back there? What are you talking about? Just just a minute. Let's just go back. Let's calm down. Let's think about. You were a slave. Do you remember how bad it was back there? That life B.C., before Christ, do you remember how bad it was to be a slave to sin? 
And you just lived with these chains on? And how badly you wanted to be set free? And now a little adversity? And you want, you really want to go back to that? No, 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 no. Sin and the fear that it brings with it, it does weird things to your brain. And we're seeing this in live today in this, in this pandemic that the world, the whole world's shutting down. I mean, a lot of churches aren't having their meetings. And maybe that's, I don't know, maybe that's, maybe it's not very good that we're together this morning. But um, I just have to get this message out. So exciting. To, I mean, th- this, we're, we're facing the Red Sea today. Don't be afraid is what I want to name that fifth step. So the fourth was cry out to the Lord. The fifth step, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Faith in the face of fear. Don't let fear defeat you. As as we're looking to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, don't start thinking, let's go back. It does weird things to your head. Now look at in verses 15 and 15 through 18. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts and his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen. I mean, once again, this emphasis, and really you see this all through the Bible, the glory of God is central. It's all about the glory of God. And, we, and just returning to that point number two or step number two, crossing that Red Sea, you've got to get this. That it, it's about the glory of God. It's not about your personal safety. But, but then looking in, in this first verse in that, in that section, verse 15, um, the Lord said, why do you cry out to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. This is fascinating to me. Yes, cry out to the Lord. That's, that's our fourth step. Cry out to the Lord. Pray. We need to get on our knees and pray. But you know, there comes a point when it's kind of like God says, stop, time to stop praying. You just need to take the next step. Sometimes we pray and pray and pray about something, some issue or whatever that we're going through, or maybe as a church body, we're praying about something for like years. Lord, should we do a church plant? Should we hive off and plant another one? Lord, we're just praying for like 15 years. It's just like, okay, you prayed about this enough. Now it's time to take the next step. Now, I understand oftentimes, this is almost always in the Christian life, we don't see very many steps out. But the Lord does reveal the next step. Maybe he doesn't reveal the second one or the third one. And this is, this is amazing. You know, they have to step out there and it's not even been parted yet. He's telling them, why do you cry out? Go forward. Go forward. Well, the Red Sea's not even parted yet. He's told them this before it's even been opened up. The same thing happens when they cross the Jordan River 40 years later after in the wilderness all these years and then, and then they go into the promised land. They have to take the first step and they actually, they step into the water. That first step is hard. It's like, what? Are you, what? You go forward? How? Just take the next step. 
This, this is so real in my own life. The Lord brought us back from Peru. We were 20 years in Peru, almost 20 years. And I just, I, I love Peru. I love the people there. I love what the Lord has done. And I just want to be there. In the beginning, the first few years, starting churches and preaching the gospel, making disciples was so hard. And then after people, the Lord starts doing great things and people are getting saved. And yeah, the churches are being planted. It's so exciting to see. It's like, and, and then this is the best part. And the Lord brings us back to the United States. And it's just, and, and we really feel like the Lord has put us here. He's made it really clear to encourage the Lord's people in the areas of evangelism, discipleship, church planting, and missions here in the United States. We get to make trips to Peru, but it's just like, I just want to go back to Peru. And I don't really see when I get to go back. I don't see the neck, I don't see very many steps out. A lot of people ask me, so when are you going back to Peru? And I say, I don't know. I just see the next step. I just take the next step ahead of me. And I, that's generally how the Christian life is. The Lord doesn't map out your whole life so that you got it clear and all the way, yeah. You just take the next step. Go forward. We must go before we can grow. You take that next step. Here, I'm going to take these steps again. Hopefully people are taking uh, notes on this so you can tell me the steps. So I'm facing the Red Sea. My first step in, in, in crossing that crisis Red Sea moment, what is it? God put me there. Got to recognize that. Second step? God's glory is more important than my personal safety. Third step? The, the devil's after you. Wants to put the chains back on. Fourth step. Cry out to the Lord. Pray, Lord, we need your help. Fifth step. Don't fear will do weird things, dear mind. And we have seen that today on the news everywhere. Sixth. Take the next step, even though it might do something to the microphone. You've got to take the next step. Oh man, I got like, I got four more steps. I'm running out of space here. <clears throat> Smaller steps. Um, look at verses 19 and 20 now. The angel of God was going before the hosts of Israel, and he moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved before them and stood behind them, coming between the hosts of Egypt and the hosts of Israel. And there was a cloud in darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. Listen, next step. Know that God defends you. I remember like the moment I was a new believer I used to be afraid of everything. Now, now I'm kind of afraid, but not nearly as much as I used to be. When I got to that moment when I realized, if this God of the Bible is for me, who can be against me? It changed my life. I fainted multiple times when I got up in front of people. And I just started to realize, you're invincible until God's done with you. God's got a plan. He's going to use each one of you for his glory. You're invincible and, until he's done with you. And when he's done with you, he's taking you home. 
man, I want to go home when it's my time. And, and I mean, God defends his people here. This is awesome. This is precious. Jeremiah, you read in Jeremiah, I think it's in, in chapter 20. And, and Jeremiah says, God is with me like a dread champion. Love that. Man, you're, you're invincible. God, if God is with me like a dread champion, whom shall I fear? Here, since I already contaminated you two, will you come come up here? We'll just kind of kind of act this out. We're gonna say, okay, I'm gonna be God in this illustration. How about you be you be uh, you be Israel? You be Israel right here, right here. You're gonna be Israel, and you're you're gonna be Pharaoh. In no, right, 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 no, not so far. Right, right there. Yeah, Pharaoh and. And uh, Egypt and the devil is is right on your tail. And so God is leading Israel. He's this pillar of fire at night, this pillar of cloud in the day. And and, and he's leading Israel as he goes. And and they're approaching this Red Sea. And then here comes Egypt on the other side. And God kind of does this spin move thing. He was in front and now he's between the two. He's defending Israel and it says clearly, the one can't come near the other. Okay, you can go sit down. Yeah. I just, j- just to get kind of a visual, you see that that pillar of fire. He just switches positions, and he's between the two. He defends his people. Man, this should embolden us. I'm not afraid of anything. It, only fear this: fear sin in your own life. That is the one thing that will render you useless. I wrote down this quote, that those blank pages in the back of your Bible to write down good quotes. Listen to this quote. This is by um, John Wesley. Uh-oh, if I can find it. Oh, yeah. Give me 100 men who fear nothing but sin in their own lives... And want no one but God and God alone. I care not whether they be clergymen or laymen. They will shake the gates of hell and set up God's kingdom upon earth. Just a, just a few good men. Give me a hundred men that fear nothing in this world but sin in their own lives. Fear that. It will render you useless. And then as you recognize, my God defends me. He's put himself between me and the enemy. The enemy's right on my tail. He wants to put the chains back on. I'm not going to let fear mess my brain up. And I start to think weird things like, it was better back in Egypt. Don't think, what are you talking about? Don't let your mind get messed up by the devil himself. And you know that God defends you. You know, I want to point out here real quickly and ask you this question. What side of the cloud are you on? If you're not a part of his chosen nation, if you're not that that redeemed group of believers, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and only by the blood of the Lamb, if you're not part of that group, You're on the wrong side of the cloud. The wrong side of that pillar of fire. What side of the cloud are you on? 
Next point, verses 21 and 22. I started out reading these verses, but uh, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and he drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and he made the sea dry land and waters were div- the waters were divided and the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground and the waters being a wall to them on the right and on their left. Eighth step. Trust that God will do great things. I think oftentimes I'm guilty of this. I just don't really think that God's going to do a miracle. Or I don't really trust that God's going to do something great. Man, if we began to just trust that God's going to do something great in our generation. Do you realize you read through church history? There's been like this revival in every single generation since the resurrection of Christ. Some documented historical revival. I don't think we've seen it yet in our generation. God's going to do something. Trust that God's going to do something great. And here you see it. This is where the, the miracle happens and the Red Sea opens up. Wall of water on the right, the wall of water on the left, dry ground that they're, that they're going to start walking through right here. But God's going to do something great. God makes a way when there is none. And this is interesting. God makes a way of escape out of the very thing that threatened to kill them. The Red Sea, I mean, it threatens to drown the entire nation. It's, I mean, trying to escape, yeah, let's all jump in and swim. They'll drown. God uses the very thing that threatens to destroy them. Isn't that true in the gospel? God used death, the very thing that threatens the sinner, each and every one of us, that threatens to destroy us for all of eternity. But God used death. I think it was John Owen who said, we see the death of death in the death of Christ because death couldn't hold him. So Jesus uses death. He enters into death to conquer death. So you see the death of death because death couldn't hold Jesus. And now as he's conquered death, risen from from the grave and he offers new life to those that will come to him in faith and repentance. I mean, this is the gospel right here. This story, uh, and I, I think many of us are, are, you know, we've thought of this before, but that crossing of the Red Sea, you, 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 he provides a way. And it's like the cross, this bridge that he, we cross over, but he uses the very thing that threatens to destroy them. He uses that very thing to save them. God used death to save the sinner as Christ went into that death and rose again and conquered it. Trust that God will do great things. Rescued from the clutches of Satan. This is a picture of redemption right here. Um, and they cross over in the Red Sea. I've heard a story about a, a new believer who was uh, reading his Bible for the first time. And he, he just, he was so excited. He went to like the local seminary. Uh, just thought, man, I'll just, there's all these books. I'm, I'm just going to start studying and reading. So he's just reading, reading his Bible in, in, in the seminary library. And as he's reading, he comes to this story and he, he just starts, starts 
yelling in the library. He starts like, just praise the Lord. Glory to God. He's just, I mean, he's excited as he's reading this story. And there's this liberal theologian, one of the professors that's sitting kind of over the side. And he's like, what's your problem? What are you, what are you doing? Come on, be quiet. And he's like, and then the new believer's like, well, I'm just reading this story. And, and God, he like parts the waters and Israel walks across on dry land. Just this miracle. Praise the Lord. And the liberal theologian, he says, well, there's actually a scientific answer for this. And uh, at certain times of the year, the uh, the Red Sea actually goes down to about three inches of water. And so they were able to just kind of walk across on just a couple inches of water. And so the new believer, he's kind of all bummed out. And well, I mean, he's the theologian. He knows more. Yeah. And so he keeps on reading. And then he starts saying, praise the Lord, glory to God. Again, he starts, he's just so excited. And then the liberal theologian says, now what's your problem? And the new believer, he's like, I can't believe it. The whole nation of Israel just, they crossed over and then God drowned the entire Egyptian army in just three inches of water. (laughs) So you can't have it both ways. Trust that God will do great things. Next step. Look at this in verses 30 to 31, ending the chapter. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw coronavirus dead on the sea. No, the Egyptians dead on the seashore. And Israel saw the great power of the, that the Lord used against the Egyptians so that the people of the Lord feared And they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Last step here. See, your crisis is something that God uses to grow your faith. After they cross, they get to the other side. It says, and they believed in the Lord. And they believed in the Lord. This major event and this miracle, absolutely unbelievable. And then afterwards, the Lord drowns the Egyptian army and the Israelites are standing on the other side of the the Red Sea. And it's just like, we believe. That's our God. He does great things. We believe. And they worship. They believe. See your crisis as something That God uses to grow your faith. You're going through something really difficult right now. Know that God uses this. He's going to use it. Maybe you can't see it right now, but he's going to use this to grow your faith. It's one of his many purposes in the midst of crisis. They believed this whole thing. Once again, a picture of salvation. Let me talk about Nate again. Nate, if you're watching this video, I love you. Um, we're sitting on the boat as we're going from village to village. And uh, we're, we're talking just candidly about his cancer. And uh, Nate, he looks at me and he says, Micah, I'm so excited. I, I'm just, I'm so excited about this cancer thing. God, he's actually entrusted me with cancer. He's actually chosen me to have this cancer so that I can show the world what it looks like for a Christian to look to Christ in the midst of the storm of cancer. I mean, this is awesome. I looked down, I was like, Nate, you are weird. <laughs> Nobody talks like that. 
But if you could actually see your crisis as something, and he was talking about how much I'm going to grow through this and everything. If you can see your crisis as something that God uses to impact the world around you in the way that you face it, and then also to make your own faith grow, it turns that whole crisis on its head. You start to thank the Lord for this crisis. Man, this is... See your crisis as something that God uses to grow your faith. And lastly, last point, 10th step, and I'm not going to take it because I'll just, I'll run into the door and I don't want that uh, microphone thing to happen again. <laughs> Chapter 15, the first, first two verses. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord saying, I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise him. My my father's God and I will exalt him. And you keep on reading and in the next 18 verses, it's just Israel is worshiping God. What I want to say here, the last step, once you get to the other side of that Red Sea that, that, that you're facing, don't forget to worship God. That, that crisis moment, and it brings us to our knees, and, and, it te- and so many things, know that God delivers you, trust that He's going to do great things, He's going to grow you through this crisis, and at the end of it, don't forget to worship Him. They get to the other side, and it is just like an amazing, they just explode into worship. As they're singing this song, live Sing, worship like you've been set free because you have. He put a new song in my mouth. This worship, the importance of giving thanks. Never forget your deliverance. Once uh, I, I was talking to this, this uh, an atheist and uh, sharing the gospel with him. And it was, we just had this great conversation. And, and, and he told me, look, you know, I can't believe in, in, in God because uh, if, if there did exist this all-powerful, loving, loving God like you're talking about, he would get rid of wickedness and suffering in the world. I mean, if, if, he really, if this, he's really all-powerful, he could. And, and if he's really loving, he would. And I said, you know, you've got a great point. I love what you're saying. I actually agree with you. I just wouldn't say would. I said, he will. The key is, it's just not yet. We've got to suffer with coronavirus for a little while here. It doesn't, why? I mean, if he's all powerful, get rid of it. Listen, if he was to get rid of suffering and evil that brings suffering, if he was to get rid of that right now, he'd have to get rid of you right now. And as a just God, that means an eternity in hell. His wrath, if you really, really think about justice and getting what we deserve, he would have to get rid of you right now. So really, it's by the grace of God that he hasn't removed evil and suffering in the world. It's he, Yes, he's going to get rid of it. That day is coming and we are looking forward to it. That day is coming. But oh, the grace and mercy of God that he's giving you more time. Oh, that the Lord would spark revival in the world through this pandemic of coronavirus. Whatever that Red Sea crisis that you're facing right now, take these steps with you. How do you cross that Red Sea? You cross that realizing God puts you 
right where you're at. Do you realize the glory of God is more important than my personal safety? You know that the devil's after you. He wants to put the chains back on. Yes, get down on your knees. Cry out to the Lord. Pray. Don't be afraid. If God is for you, who can be against you? Fear does weird things to your head. Next one, take the next step. Yeah, there comes a point where you need to just, you need to get off of your knees. Yeah, you've been praying, but there comes a point you need to take the next step. Maybe two steps out isn't clear, but that first step, God's going to make that clear. Take the next, go forward. Know that God defends you. Our God defends his people. Trust that God's going to do great things. See your crisis as something that God's going to grow your faith with. And at the end, don't forget to worship God. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this story. A true story. Historical. Lord, we thank you for the things that you teach us through your word, which is timeless. That we can apply to our lives here in the year 2020. Lord, we thank you most of all that you use the very thing that threatens to destroy us. You use death to save us. Jesus, your son, went into death and then conquered it. And we see the death of death and the death of Christ because death could not hold him. In the picture of salvation, you lead your people out of the land of slavery and you bring them to freedom. Lord, we recognize we are in a spiritual battle. The devil wants to put those chains back on. Help us as we look to Christ in the midst of difficult times. Help us as we look to you in the midst of the storm. We put our lives into your hands, asking that you would be glorified in the way that we face these trials and crisis moments. Put our lives in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen.